I want to speak to you about courage. We're looking at this series on fear, facing your fear. And the antidote to fear is courage. So let me begin by asking a question. Where do you see courage at its purest, greatest, and most admirable form? Where do you see the kind of courage that delights the heart of God the most? Well, if you've ever been to Niagara Falls, and Cindy, my wife, and I have in the winter, they've got a little museum there, and it's filled with stories about 15 people who have gone over the falls in a barrel. I know, you need brain surgery. One guy went over in a kayak. They didn't find his body for two months. And then I think many of us watched Nick Walinda, the tightrope walker, walk over the live volcano. Uh, Are those acts of courage or insanity? Now, by the way, I love to watch uh, X games. I love to watch uh, sports. I love to watch uh, high-risk achievers and drama, adrenaline junkies. I enjoy watching it, but that's not my question. You know, in our day, we think of courage as dramatic risk for risk's sake. So let me ask you to ask yourself, what do you think real courage is really about? Is it about skydiving, mountain climbing, scuba diving with great white sharks, marathon running, or motorcycle jumping? Well, the real truth is, in our culture, we confuse courage with recklessness or being a daredevil. But this isn't what the Bible had in mind when it talks about courage. So let's talk about courage for ordinary people like you and me, because I believe that's the kind of courage that uh, is not exhibited enough in our current lives in this world. The kind of courage God wants us to have is most often exhibited by ordinary people doing unglamorous things, like rescuing people from a sinking ship, pulling people out of a burning building, or our doctors and nurses and EMS people working tirelessly in hospitals rampant with this coronavirus, or courage to tell the truth when you're in trouble, and to tell the truth might get you in more trouble. And rather than be deceptive, you decide to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God anyway. Or when someone decides to stand up with honest convictions, even though they may be standing alone. And it might mean being criticized or rejected for taking the right stand. Martin Luther King Jr. said, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. For example, you know, just thinking off the cuff here, I don't care what party you're in, what political affiliation you have, what religious group, when something is definitely wrong that contradicts Scripture and ideology that God gives us in value, do you have the guts to say, excuse me, that's wrong? Because most people don't. They just keep quiet and blend in to be accepted with that religious crowd or that denomination or that political party. And I'll guarantee you, if you have the guts to speak up and say that's wrong, you'll be criticized, rejected, and ostracized. Do you have the guts to do that? Not flip a motorcycle, but say what is true at your own personal expense. 
That's the kind of courage that delights the heart of God. I personally think it's in those unpublicized moments in the midst of routine days in the lives of ordinary people where the most important battle over courage ever, ever gets engaged. See, I'd like to get to the end of my life and have God say to me, you showed courage. Instead of saying, Rick, you only followed the path of least resistance. No, no, no. I don't want to hear that. I want to hear, you followed me with courage. I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You fought a good fight. You kept the faith. You didn't yield to fear. Paul writing to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound or well-disciplined mind. Paul wanted old Tim, his young protege, to face fear and not live life being ruled by it. To do that, he's going to need courage. See, folks, God does not work in our lives through fear, but the enemy does. God wants his people to live life big, with power, with a winning spirit, a champion spirit. See, courage only comes when you're willing to face your fear. In fact, you don't need courage unless you're facing fear. So let's look at five areas in life, just for us people, that God delights in the courage of these people like you and me, just ordinary people. Area number one, relational courage. It takes courage to have deep, intimate relationships. Think about the people you have the closest and most intimate relationships with. These are the people you had the courage to at least have a conversation with. You took the risk of exposing yourself to them and opening up to them. See, it takes courage to speak the truth to someone, even though it might hurt, or in some cases, it's unpleasant. But that's the only thing that will save many marriages or relationships watching this live stream. See, courage to speak and be open because it's uncomfortable and painful. But true love is courageous enough to speak the truth in love that will help you. See, I'll risk the pain of speaking truth to you more than I want comfort with you because I want you to grow and flourish as a child of God. Some of you need to take that step in some relationship this week. And if not, you're going to live a superficial relationship for the rest of your life. The second area of courage that delights God is the courage to resist temptation. Why do you think conformity is the shortest route to acceptance in a crowd? Because we're afraid if we don't conform, if we don't do what everybody else is doing, we'll be left out. So that fear makes us join in and do what we know we shouldn't do or don't want to do. And it leaves us feeling dirty or defiled. You know, let me say this. I remember several years ago, my wife and I were in another state at some type of a get-together. And a van pulled up and about eight to ten different people we know, these are wonderful people, by the way, all got out, and my wife said, would you look at that? They've all got the same haircut. They're all carrying the man purse. They all got on a V-T-shirt, and they've all got the leather straps. They look like clones. 
And you know why that goes on? Because I want to be accepted. Very few people dare to be who they are and who God made them to be because, frankly, I don't like your dumb haircut. I'm okay with you, but I'm not going to get one. I'm okay with being who I am, what I am, and if people don't like me, so what? Suck it up. I'm not here to, to blend in, fit in. We're supposed to be here to stand out in a positive way. And that means you've got to be you. I don't want someone to love me for who they think I might be, but for who I am. And so I love people with different cultures, backgrounds, styles. I noticed Nate's back on the keyboard in our service today. He's been on furlough because they had another new baby. And uh, I noticed he had on a clean t-shirt tonight. Must have been a brand new one, probably a baby gift that was too big, and he put it on tonight. Never seen him dress up like that before. <laughs> now, so, so, some people want a three-piece suit. Some people, you know, it, it's just, it's up to you. I don't care. I can accept you for who you are, but I am not going to do that to make you like me. Do you see the difference? That's the kind of courage we're talking about. I'm not trying to be different just to be different. I'm just trying to be who I am, and that's who you are are supposed to be. People will withhold from God in their giving and generosity, and they know it's wrong. They don't need a preacher. They, they don't really want to be greedy or selfish, but they're afraid God won't supply their needs if they give some of their resources. Why? Fear. Plain old fear. Maybe you flatter. I know some people that do that on a regular basis, particularly in the religious setting. You flatter with untrue statements, and you do it because you're afraid they won't like you otherwise. Oh, the Bible calls flattery, not honor, but flattery is sin. A casual study of the Bible will reveal that most sin is connected with fear. What made Jacob deceive his father? Fear he'd be poor. The popularity of David made King Saul fear David. David, I mean, Saul was afraid he's going to lose his position because everybody's kind of going for old David, and yet David loved Saul. Fear of the crowd made Pilate wash his hands of responsibility in allowing Jesus Christ to be crucified, even knowing Jesus had done nothing wrong. Fear. See, I believe the evil one uses fear to tempt us all the time. The fear of losing out. The fear of standing alone, the fear of loss, the fear of failure, the fear of rejection. And when challenge comes, Satan will always say to you, God won't take care of you. You can't trust him that much. You won't be all right. And today, many of you watching are at a temptation crossroad. And the question is, will you have the courage to resist and trust God? Because God delights in people who will courageously resist temptation and trust Him in utter abandonment. A third area of courage that delights God is the courage to pursue your dreams. You know, you don't have to teach children how to dream. Every kid comes into the world with dreams. Just ask them. Boy, they'll tell you immediately, I want to be a fireman, a policeman, an astronaut, a doctor. They don't even hesitate. They can tell you what their dream is. Every bride, every groom go into that marriage relationships with dreams for their future and for each other. 
Why? Well, because we're all born dreamers. God put that ability and desire in all of us. Your dream is the core to who you are. For example, if I mention a name, I, I think most of you in one second, one word, can tell me what their dream is about. If I said Tiger Woods, you'd say golf. If I said Steve Jobs, you'd say a computer, iPod, iPad, iPhone, iWatch. If I said Kobe Bryant, basketball. If I said Henry Ford, cars. Well, what about you? If I gathered your friends and family in a little connect group and I asked them what you were all about, what would they say? What best expresses who you are? What your focus in life happens to be? What would they say is the passion God has placed in your heart? What is the purpose to which God has called you into this life for? See, not somebody else, but you. See, it's sad, really sad to talk to somebody and realize there's no dream in their heart because somewhere in life they stopped dreaming. Now, we're all called to do something, not just to eat and drink and watch the Dallas Cowboys lose in football. Sorry, don't send me emails. I am a Cowboy fan. I hope one day I can cheer them on. I'm still waiting. So what is it? to which you are giving the best of your life, your energy, your time, your resources, your talents. Boy, I hope you're not offering God what you don't want and don't care about because you'll never have promotion. You'll never fulfill that dream or purpose. See, everybody, everybody arrives on planet Earth a dreamer. But there are forces that kill our dreams. And some of you haven't dreamed for a long, long time. Maybe long delay has killed your dreams, and you've given up thinking it's ever going to come to pass. But long delay is not denial. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3. Though the vision tarry, wait for it. It will surely come. I heard someone say several years ago that if you can keep a dream for five years, it will probably come to pass. But most people can't keep dreams that long. You know, we're Americans. We live in an instantaneous culture. I want it my way. I want it now. And that's not how the kingdom works. Well, we could go through the Bible and look how long it took for people to see a dream come true. I mean, Abraham got a promise of a kid, and that sucker's 100 years old before that dream came true. I guarantee you, most of the churches would bail at having to wait that long for a promise. People can kill your dreams. Parents can do it. Teachers can do it. You're worthless. You'll never amount to anything. You're too old. You're too young. You're not smart enough. You can't afford it. I don't need the devil to tell me that. Christians will tell you that. People can kill your dream with words. Watch what you say to your children, and to your own self. Maybe failure has killed your dream. You've quit. You've given up. But failure can become a teacher. It does not have to become your undertaker. But some of you are living without a dream. You have no dream for God's purpose for your life. You have no dream for the gifts that God has put within you. You have no dream for your marriage. 
Ever wonder why some of the ugliest men get some of the most beautiful women? <laughs> well, a couple of reasons. Number one, he asked her. And number two, because most women want a man with a dream. In fact, I'd rather marry, a, if I was a woman, I'd marry a, marry a guy going somewhere big with a dream than somebody who's a hunk, a hunk of burning love going nowhere. See, I want to hook up with somebody going someplace. See, folks, God wants some of you that have lost your dream to dream again, to dream what can be in the immediate future, to dream about God's purpose for your life. Some of you need to review the dream God gave you in the past. And I hear God asking, do you have the courage to pursue the dream I put in your heart? Courage to pursue it when people criticize you, when they don't believe in you, when they make fun of you. When ordinary people display extraordinary courage while pursuing a God-given dream, it delights the heart of God. The fourth area of courage that God admires is the courage to make hard choices. Let me tell you right now, people without a purpose or a dream can't make hard choices. That's the difference between a leader and a follower. You know, I was just thinking as we've grown as a church from our small beginnings, I, I got to make dozens of decisions each week. It never stops. It never slows down. And it won't. Courage to make a decision because it's right, not because it's popular. Anytime I tackle a hard issue in the church preaching, particularly regarding legalism, leaders around the world cringe because they know what I'm saying is true. But it's such a hot-button issue, nobody wants to address it publicly for fear of criticism or rejection. They tell me they believe it, but they won't discuss it, and they won't preach it. Total fear. And I, <laughs> I don't know what's in me, but I love to go after it. If it's truth, if it's right biblically, and I can substantiate it with Scripture, I'm going for it. I don't care what your religious background is. But fear makes us hesitate. We might make the wrong decision. Maybe somebody won't like me. Hey, if you want everybody to like you, sell ice cream. But a leader makes hard calls. And when you make it, you grow. Isn't that good? Or what about in your relationships? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, So stop fooling yourselves. Evil companions will corrupt good morals and character. If you lay down with dogs, you're going to get up with fleas. There may be hard choices when it comes to relationships you're involved in. Am I involved with somebody who's a negative influence on me? Is this relationship harmful to my family? Are they violating some clear boundaries I've set? See, when ordinary people make extraordinary hard calls with wisdom and strength, that's the kind of courage God delights in, the courage to make hard decisions. And last, number five, is the courage to endure, the courage to endure. We need courage to endure when things aren't going well, like right now in our nation and world, when it's painful, when it's lonely, when it's not fair. I think every one of us can identify with this right now. 
When you consider the impact that this pandemic has had on all of us, it may be the effect that social distancing is having on some people. There's emotional problems being shut in. It may be the loss of a job. Can you imagine? It might be the fear of the unknown. What's the future going to look like for me or for my family? And we've been hearing the reports of loved ones in the hospital for different reasons, facing serious situations, and often, apparently now, families are not allowed to be with their loved ones, even a wife that just had a baby. That's deeply concerning, and it does have an emotional and mental impact on a lot of people. But during this time, everyone has to remember Deuteronomy 31, verse 6 in the Message Bible. Be strong. Take courage. In other words, God doesn't do that for you. You take courage. Don't be intimidated. Don't give them a second thought because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He won't let you down. He won't leave you. That's why I always have confidence for the future. I don't know what's out there, but I have confidence in the one who's going to be with me through it. And I've got a history with him. Some of you have a history. For God's sake, he took care of you in bad times in the past. What makes you think he won't take care of you now? You know, if you have a loved one in the hospital right now, they're not alone. And neither are you. You might be lonely, but you're not alone. And you ought to type that right now in your chat. I am not alone. And as a believer, I can never be alone. Regardless of what the circumstances look like right now, you've got to remember God's promises. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Everybody watching, you have a future and it's unlimited potential. Going through a bad season does not eliminate God's purpose for your life. When you choose to confess God's word over your situation and continue to believe in his immutable, eternal, infallible promises, that's courageous. These kinds of people are far more courageous than bungee jumpers, skydivers, motorcycle daredevils, or mountain climbers. The kind of courage that delights the heart of God is the kind of courage that endures. The kind that says, though he slay me, I will trust him. I think it was Paul who said, you have need of endurance that after you've done the will of God, you might obtain the promise. And that's where most folks bail. They don't have endurance. And folks, you can take almost anything when you know, when I know, God is with you. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.